I trust the Lord has allowed you to hopefully read your Bible this year. And uh, probably have already read through the book of Genesis. But I want to go back um, to chapter 16 here just for a little while. I have a, a thought today, tonight. It would be, is anything too hard for the Lord? There are so many situations, circumstances that arise out of nowhere. And sometimes it feels just hopeless. And so trust that this message will, I hope, help you as much as it's helped me this week. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need your power and your presence. Lord, without it, it'll be in vain. It'll be vain jangling. It will come to nothing. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Hide me behind the precious cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary. I pray that you'd preach through me. Pray that you'd be with that one, Lord, tonight. It feels like they're in a very hopeless place. A hopeless situation. That there's no way out. God, I'm thankful that all things are possible with you. And that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Pray that you be with us in a real way tonight. Please loosen my tongue and help me as I speak. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to grab my water now before I get started. I'm so very grateful tonight to be with you. Thank God for the opportunity to preach. I thank our pastor for just pouring into me, especially these last few months while being at the church. And if there's one thing I've learned by hearing story after story after story, Boy, the pastors told me of people who've come and gone, people who've lived and died. They said everybody faces hard times. Everybody faces times that you just feel like nothing is going right. Maybe right now you're on top of a mountaintop. Maybe right now you're in a valley. But regardless, we're either coming out of a storm, in the middle of a storm, or getting ready to go into one. So I pray this message will be a blessing. Genesis chapter 16, it opens up with a wonderful, wonderful story about Sarah and Abraham. But the beginning of it is pretty bleak. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. The weight of that statement may not hit us like it did Sarah that night. Like it did Sarah this very moment. But God had promised Abraham a son. And that means Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah, no doubt, wanted to give her all back to Abraham. Wanted to just bear him a son. That's all she desired. The culture and the circumstance was pushing her that if she did not bear a child for Abraham, especially a man-child, the Lord did was not blessing her. You look at her circumstance, she wanted to please Abraham. You look at her culture, and the culture around her was saying, if you do not bear a child, you are nothing. You're not blessed of the Lord. And while we know that that is not true in the eyes of the Lord because He's not a respecter of persons, but we also see the confusion that she had. Listen to this. And she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Now that's another heavy statement. I don't want us to miss it. I'm pausing on purpose. The Word of God can speak for itself, but just put yourself in the shoes of Sarah for just a moment. A helpless, horrible place to be for her. And she had this confusion that if the Lord 
shut up her womb. It was on purpose, no doubt about it. But it was a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing that needed to be corrected. But in her mind, she wanted to go ahead and correct it. So the first thing I saw in this story was a restrained womb. The second thing I saw was a rushing wife. Sarai pushed Abram to make a decision to rush past God's perfect plan. Listen to what happens. I pray thee, go into my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Talking about she was despised in Sarah's eyes. Sarah said unto Abraham, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. So Hagar despised Sarah. And Sarah probably couldn't help but despise Hagar because Hagar had given the one thing that she wanted, a son. We see that it caused further hurt and it caused future fighting because we know that Ishmael would be born into the nation that would be against God's people from here on out. So this one decision, this one bad decision led to this and all this hurt and all this turmoil is going. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6 for just a minute. We're going to come back to this story. I hate when you watch a movie or you read a book and it leaves you on a cliffhanger, so I promise we'll get there tonight. Daniel chapter 6. We see an account, another account, of hopelessness. Something that may not be able to fix. He, he's not going to be able to fix it. It's something that's above his head. It's something that is just lingering over him. You probably have already figured out that it's Daniel in the lion's den. He was praying three times a day, doing everything right, nothing wrong. And it seems in Daniel chapter 6 that we find ourselves in another hopeless situation. And the Bible says, start for just one moment. And it pleased Darius, verse 1, to set over the kingdom in 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. But then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. But see, he petitioned his God three times a day. And they finally found a spot where Satan and their own self could wiggle in. And they created contention between the king and Daniel saying that he was not worshiping, doing not what the king said. And they wiggled their way in and they ended up getting Daniel cast into a den of lions. I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of Daniel for just a moment. Daniel was in a hopeless place. He was in a dark pit. I couldn't imagine there would be much light in a place called a lion's den where they throw people to die. 
I couldn't think there'd be much cleanup done around there. There was probably some dead people laying on the ground, not to be too graphic. But just think about the hopelessness that Daniel had been in. Now, he knew God was going to deliver him. But as a man, you have to think. Man versus lion, the odds are not too good. And there was three or four or five or ten of them. We don't know, to my knowledge, unless it's evading my memory. And Daniel was in a hopeless place. Turn with me over back to Daniel chapter 3. Now Daniel chapter 3 is very famous, or should we say infamous, for Nebuchadnezzar in his burning, fiery furnace. He heated it seven times, and you know the sweat was just rolling off the cheeks of the three Hebrew young men who said they weren't going to bow or serve the image, who said that they were going to stay true to the God Almighty, the God Jehovah. They were going to stay true to Him, and they did not bow. They did not serve nor worship the golden image. By the way, the things that you're serving is what you're worshiping. And so I hope that over time the Lord will continue to reveal those things that you're serving and exchange them for God. Worship Him. But in this story, we find another hopeless situation. It's so hot, the guards disintegrate when they throw them in. A hopeless situation. You look at the life of Joseph. He goes from a pit to the prison because of Potiphar's wife. He's been lied on. He's been cast away. He's been sold as a slave. A hopeless situation. But let's take a look at what God says in chapter 17 of Genesis. Turn back with me there. And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, but thy name shall be or Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations out of thee. Up to this point, they are not pregnant with Isaac yet. Up to this point, none of that has happened. We know the end of the story. But he's still thinking about Ishmael possibly being the one. He's still thinking about all these different circumstances that's happened. Sarah is still waiting on God's promises. Just as much as the three Hebrew young men were waiting at the edge of the fiery furnace. And Daniel was waiting down in the bottom of the lion's den listening to the lions. It's just as hopeless as Joseph being in the pit and in the prison and waiting on God to break through. And tonight I'm convinced that I'm not the only one that's had some of those times. Tonight I'm not convinced that there's not another family that's sitting in here hurting. That there's not another home that the Lord has got to work a miracle in. That there's not another situation that if God does not break through, it will fall apart. But let me read you what God says. 
I am the Almighty God. I will make my covenant between me and thee. As for me, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. He's telling the exact same thing that he's told him before. He's reminding him that he is the Almighty God. And it's the most amazing thing to me that after this, we see God ask a question. There's not many questions in the Bible that the Lord Himself asks. The first one was Adam in the garden. And He asked him, where art thou? He knew where Adam was. But He wanted Adam to know where he was with Himself. And maybe tonight you don't know the power of the Almighty God because you don't know that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for you. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That whosoever could be you have eternal life. Life everlasting. Life that never ends. Life that's eternally secure. Otherwise it wouldn't be everlasting life. And tonight you might be faced with a circumstance that's just too thick. That's just too much. It's on the very end. You're getting ready to fall off. and You're not really sure if God's even there. And poor Sarah, I'm sure she was in this situation. But then God asks a question. Is anything too hard for God? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible, probably. I love Jeremiah chapter 18. It talks about him being the potter and us being the clay. I'm glad he doesn't throw the clay away. But we come to Jeremiah 32. Look with me in verse 26. Another hopeless situation. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? It's the most amazing thing for us to see the love of God. You feel like anything in your life is untouchable. There's no way even God Almighty can do or fix this. Well, friend, He's done the impossible. Turn with me back to Genesis. I know I'm having you turn tonight. I don't want to lose you, but I want you to see it for yourself. That God was faithful to His promise. That God heard the cries, no doubt, of Sarah and Abram. That God hears you whenever you pray. That God knows exactly where you're at and what you're going through. And He wants to give you all the aid and help that He possibly can. But you must wait on Him. You can't rush like Sarah did. Sarah ended up rushing in and giving her idea and giving her things. Well, this will fix this. Well, this will bring the promised son. Well, this will do this. Well, why don't you just go and take Hagar and just have a son and then it will be fulfilled. What I really want will be fulfilled. It's the most amazing thing. Genesis chapter 18. Look with me in verse... 14. 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. See, we're not willing to wait on God's timing or God's way. If you look at Daniel in the lion's den, God provided safety, but it was in His timing and in His way. If you look at the three Hebrew young men facing a fiery furnace, God delivered them, but He did it in His way and in His timing. And if you look at Sarah and Abraham, God provided the seed for Sarah, but it was in His timing and in His way. She laughs at Him, and then the Lord comes to her and says, Nay, but thou didst laugh. She tried to recant it. She no doubt felt absolutely destroyed. And they had Isaac. And tonight, maybe you're facing a situation that feels like it's going to absolutely destroy you. Feel like it's going to absolutely be the end. That no matter how far you go with God, He's finally left you. And there's no more going back. And friend, that's not the case at all. In Jeremiah chapter 27, He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God knows where you're at. And God loves you. And nothing is too hard for God. I hope that this week, God will bring about a situation that will show you His power and His grace. I don't know of any great leader, preacher, pastor of any kind that has not endured some great heartache. I know that we had a pastor up in Tennessee. His name was Pastor Clarence Sexton. He had nine reconstructive back surgeries. Twelve reconstructive back surgeries. Thank you. He went through so much and he was doing great. And he was walking and doing everything he could. And a CNA doing her best at her job dropped him after the last surgery. Cracked his hip. Gave him a horrible drop foot syndrome. And he wasn't able to walk without a cane for the rest of his life. Pretty much. But that man touched continents with all the students from Crown College. Every continent and every state has Crown College's footprint, Christ's footprint because of that man going through the heartache. And I'm sure that Pastor Sexton went through times where things just felt too hard. But he saw God seeing through it all the way to the very end. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. And tonight, if you're saved and born again, that same God who saved you promised that He'd keep you. And there'll be nothing too hard for God. Thank you so much, Ramos. As the musicians come, I pray that you bow your head. Or maybe tonight somebody has a circumstance in their life that's just too big. It's bigger than they are. And Lord God, I pray that You would encourage that special heart that's going through some kind of tragedy that most of us don't even see. They put up a facade and everything's okay. But really deep inside, they're struggling and they're being ripped apart by this. God, I pray that You would show us that You are the Lord God of heaven and earth. You created us. You have a plan for us and a purpose for us. 
and that there's nothing too hard for you. You can stand as the music plays. I wonder tonight, would anybody want to come and rededicate a section of their life?